Welcome to the Platform Podcast, where we talk to coaches, athletes, experts, and real people to learn about their approaches to training, nutrition, mindset, and much more. I am your host, Jordan Kundi Wright, founder and head coach of the Twin Cities Kettlebell Club, and I'm on a mission to help others build sustainable, healthy lifestyles. Before we jump into the episode, I want to remind you that registration is live for the second annual Twin Cities Kettlebell Open on October 22nd, hosted by our friends at the Athlete Lab in Little Canada, Minnesota. And just like we did last year, we'll include an option for video submissions for participants who are unable to make the trip in person, and you'll be eligible for all of the same prizes as our in-person competitors. Just go to our website, Twin Cities kettlebellclub.com for details. Now this week, I welcome back Kim Fox for part two of our conversation. So if you didn't hear the first part of the conversation, you should probably go back and listen to last week's episode with Kim Fox. She is a world record holder, master sport international class, a great coach. We nerd out on kettlebell sport. And in this episode, we start talking um, a little bit more about some of her interests outside of kettlebell sport, how she got into art, as well as discussing the abortion rights issue um, that Kansas just recently voted on and Kim's perspective on that. I hope you will um, take a listen to that with an open mind and be willing to hear a perspective that might differ from your own and you might be surprised at uh, what Kim has to say on the topic. So I hope you enjoy it. It's a a ton of fun. This was an amazing time. I really appreciate Kim coming on and it was uh, fantastic. Um, Just like I appreciate you listening to this podcast. And of course, if you appreciate the content, uh, share it with a friend, leave a five-star rating and review on Apple or Spotify, wherever you, wherever you get this podcast. And uh, please reach out to me if you have any questions. I'm at Twin Cities Kettlebell Club on Instagram, as well as YouTube and at Twin Cities Kettlebell Club at gmail.com for my email. Without further ado, let's step back onto the platform with Kettlebell Kim Fox. Um, I want to I want to call back a little bit to when you were talking about doing the heart rate training where you're setting a timer and you're working at a specific heart rate zone and then you get to that heart rate and you put the bells down. That is so um uh, I, I'm trying to find the right word that is so different than, than what I had been coached by certain coaches. I've now I've worked with a number of different coaches and throughout my, throughout my kettlebell journey, but there are certain coaches that are like, you never fucking put the bells down in training. Right. And they, that are like, you're programming yourself to put the bells down in competition. Right. If you, if you set the bells down in training, I don't agree with that philosophy any longer, but for a long time, I, I bought into that like whole hog, like, you know, don't be a puss you never set them down like die on the platform yeah you know that you know that gung-ho mentality but I'm curious um in your experience and and with from your perspective as a coach too like how do you thread that needle of like because you don't you you don't want people to put the bells down when they get in deep water on the platform right but there's also a there's something to be said for building for building success there's something to be said for having a specific intention as to why you're putting the bells down and 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 what you're doing and it's not like those sets are easy right so you're not like building mental softness when you say like when I get to my you know my lactic threshold I'm, I'm putting the bells down but how do you how do you balance that as a coach and and how do you what, what's your what's been your experience there with with that um so I think first everybody should be uh, documenting their sets um Data. I am Data. a I am a spreadsheet nerd uh, I really like I knew you were my people, Kim. I knew you were my people. So I have pretty much every workout I've ever done since I first started. Um, And when I moved from using a book where I would just document my workouts down, I'd have to freaking flip back like 40 pages, try and figure out where I'd done this similar workout again to actually using spreadsheets and calculating my reps and my volume and time and so that when I walk into a workout, I can look at my numbers from the previous set and I can say, okay, last time I did this set, I did 215 reps. I did, you know, uh, X number of reps with the, the 24, X number of reps with the 22, blah, 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 for this many sets. So I can determine, okay, last time I made it four rounds with the 24 is that we'll say for jerk, like 15 reps a minute. This time I want to make it five. And if I make it five rounds, then it's time for me to go up to 26 kilograms, right? So I have a goal in my head when I start to make it. Now I might not make it because you know, you're only as good as you are on that day, 
right? Mm -hmm. So I have bad days where, you know, it just doesn't go well. So then the next step is, is that I always look for incremental improvement somewhere in the training. Mm -hmm. So maybe I don't make it the four rounds. Maybe I only make it three, which is worse than last time. All right. So how can I make this set better? All right. So that means that I was supposed to be going 15 reps per minute in this whole set. I need to up my reps to 16. I failed on this. So if I up it to 16, that will make me be 200 kilograms more than last time at the end of this workout. And to try and find those little wins where no matter what, I'm trying to take a step forward um, and trying to push your body slightly over the line each time without, you know, you don't have to die every time you work out, but you do need to make incremental jumps over your threshold, right? I just put my toe over, you know, put my toe over and then I, you know, just keep putting my toe over a little bit and, and all those little steps over add up to a lot. Um, and so I think that's where it's really important for people to document what they're doing, because like you're saying, then you can really see the progression and you can be like, oh shit, I really thought that set sucked. But if I really look at it, you know, I did really good on that first, those first four or five rounds where I survived five rounds with the 24. I've never done that. Yeah. After that, I fucking tanked it <laughs> because obviously you would. If you, if you make at, at maximal, what for us would be like, you know, your maximal lift for a number of rounds after that, you're going to tank. Yeah. So this, the survivability in that one is in the first part. And so trying to find those wins in every workout, but in order to do that, you have to have the data, mm-hmm. right? Just like you said, um, I don't do it as much anymore, but when I first started competing, I wore a heart rate monitor while I was competing because I wanted to go back and see my progression of my heart rate through the set and, and really find like where I was tanking. Um, and, you know, I, I traveled to Scotland to compete. Uh, I don't remember what year it was, but on the way there, I got stuck in Frankfurt airport. There was like a hole in the runway in Aberdeen and uh, we couldn't take off. And also there was a very large um, festival happening in Frankfurt. So the airport could find us no rooms. And they're like, yeah, sorry, sucks to be you guys, but we can't get you guys rooms. So you're just going to get to sleep in the airport. Here's a pillow. <laughs> nice. Nothing, so we nothing says top level performance, like sleeping on a borrowed pillow in the Frankfurt airport <laughs> on your way. Yeah. So, you know, we were stuck in Frankfurt for like 24 hours. And so we got to Scotland um, and basically I only had uh, only like 24 hours. Like I got there and the next morning I was supposed to compete. And so I went into that competition and my heart rate was jacked. Not only was I basically in a totally different time zone, so I didn't have any time to convert over, uh, and I hadn't slept in 24 hours because right when we fell asleep in Frankfurt airport, some lady came in to clean and she was like ramming all the chairs around in (laughs) the cafeteria where we were sleeping. I'm like, lady, geez. So, um, but when, you know, being able to go back and look at my heart rate, normally my heart rate would be, you know, in the one sixties till about the four or five minute time frame, And then it would start to climb through the one seventies. And on that one, I picked up the bells and I was in one seventy, like immediately. And that whole set, I was like wanting to die. I was like, I was like, I'm trying not to put the bells down, but I was like, I am literally dying right now. I was like, I, I can't make it. I'm not, I'm just dying. Yeah. And when I went back and looked at my heart rate, I was like, well, yeah, of course I was. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, and that's where like the, the data makes the subjective objective. You can actually observe it. You can see like, oh, okay. Yeah. I, I came in. Yeah. I came in close to my threshold already. And of course I couldn't finish. Like there's, there's no, there's no two ways about it then. And then on those types of sets where you like completely bomb, you can be like, shit, well, I did pretty good considering my heart rate was in, I made it the whole 10 minutes. I was like, considering my heart rate was in 170. Now, was it my best set? Absolutely not. But considering that, that's that's where the mental fortitude. Finishing the time there. Like I'm, I I, honestly, if you'd have told me you like that, you couldn't make it beyond minute five or six, I'd have been like, yeah, it makes sense. Like, but the fact that you finished the 10 minutes, like that's, 
bravo like that's just just grinding like that's that's just uh yeah that's some that's some mental toughness there like that's that's awesome you know in uh, this uh last competition i went to uh is the first time i've had like my arm i uh i was i was like oh i was like this isn't going to be my best set ever because i showed up and i I had just competed not that long before because I had just gone to WKSF Worlds for national. I had gone yeah, to w- Portugal, WKSF right? Worlds, huh? In, in Portugal, Portugal, yes. And then um, right after that, a month later was nationals, and so I was just like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna show up. Like, I mean, I, I did. I'm just gonna show up. And kind of when I got there, I was like, ah, I'm just not feeling great, you know. I was like, but I'm just gonna do whatever, and I'm just gonna you know, try and make my 120 reps and that'll be like a relatively not easy pace, but decent pace. Um, not my best, but it'll be decent. And if I do that, I'm, I'll be happy with that. And I started going, I was like, actually this set feels pretty good. Okay. We're going, we're going. And then I was getting to the last 90 seconds and I was basically on pace to hit around 124. And, uh, I just had like a bad jerk where my hand slightly, um, rotated, um, it supinated, it supinated. So my hand rotated outwards and I just trying to think in my head. Well, nobody can see me cause I'm making all these hand movements here, but basically the bell rotated over top of my head. And so, uh, I, I couldn't, I just lost it. I couldn't keep it. And because of the angle of my hand, my elbow was to the outside. And so there was no way for me to get underneath it, to catch it because my palm out, palm out bell towards forehead. For those of you that, that can't like visualize this in your head, like just think of your palm facing away from you while you're in overhead position and the bell being like directly over your ear basically and you're like yeah how do I get out from under this bell before it splits my eyebrow open which is funny because I was having like I when I went back and watched it I had some really solid reps I mean I could tell by watching it that I was starting to get tired um but just that one little flinch change where I jerked it and um I just had to dump it and they're like we just thought you were done and I was like no, I completely lost it. Like I had to just like get out of the way and just let it fall to the ground. And I've never, that's the first time I've ever lost a bell or, you know, lost it overhead in competition. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm getting to this, I'm going to be like age, but I'm getting to this time while I'm competing that I really just kind of want to have fun. Yeah. And I think you've earned that. I feel frankly. like I've been, huh? I, said, I think you've earned that, frankly. <laughs> Well, I, I'm like, just trying all these new things. Like, I'm like, Hey, well, what if I try and do this? Like, just to keep it interesting. Cause I mean, I've been training for like 10 years and, um, I, I, I love training kettlebell. I really do. Like, I love what people love about running is what I love about kettlebell is that when I start doing it, I can just get into this mental state where I'm just like going and I don't have to think about anything and you don't think about my mind goes quiet. It's the only yep, place you don't think about any of the stresses of life. You don't think about the shit you have to do at work. And when you get done, you're so tired and you're, there's so much technicality in the movements that you're doing that your brain cannot even process um, all these other outside issues you might have. Right. So you have that whole hour, two hours after you get done training where you just are in this state of euphoria. Okay. Yeah. It's not quite that intense, but you know what I mean? I, yeah. I no, I told Yeah. You're like, you're giving me goosebumps. Like you're, you're speaking my language. That is, that is the, uh, I mean, you've, you've articulated some of the things that like, I love so much about the sport and also like you're touching about, like you're touching on beating the log every time. And like, I, we have a mantra, uh, at, you know, with the twin cities kettlebell club is, uh, you know, last one's your best one. I say that to, to people during our sessions all the time. And it's last for our last set of the session, no matter what it is or last set of the movement, even like it it can be a biathlon day, but I'll say it in jerk and in, and in snatch, but I'm like, whatever it is for our last prescribed set, 
make it your best in some way, form or fashion. Doesn't, it can be your best pace. It can be your best, it can be your best technique. It can be your most relaxed set can be your best breathing, whatever, make it your best in some form or fashion. And then I love the, like what you were saying about like beat the log every time, like find that incremental win, whether it's, I did, I did one more rep. I did 200 more kilos, whatever, like whatever, whatever that one little win is like, so that you understand, because this is the long game, right? Like it's, it's incremental progress added up over time that, that really gets you those, the, those little things add up to big wins over time, but you have to let time do its thing, but you have to beat the log every time you have to, you have to make some incremental improvement every time, whether it's technique or output or whatever, right. And, or even mindset, even just mindset, like it can be, you didn't even beat your, you didn't even beat your numbers from the last session, but you were more relaxed or more focused or whatever. Like I, I, fucking love that so much like that is that is what brings me back to this to this sport like every every day like that's what it is it's about playing the game right you got to figure out what the game is because that's really the fun part of it it's like you coming into you're like i want to do this because when you beat the game or you're winning the game or you know you find these little incremental wins that's what makes it fun right because it's only you in there when I go into the gym and I'm training, like, I mean, I, sometimes I have other people there training with me, but what makes it fun is that in my head, I'm like, Oh, I fucking got that shit. Like that's mine. Right. And together alone, we're all in this together alone. Yeah. And you've got to find those, those little incremental wins. And I, I know it's like that. It's like that with any sport. Right. Um, if you're playing uh, baseball or softball or whatever, you're there, you know, you're incrementally trying to get more hits that game. You're trying to make more plays, you know? And so having that data, which I know so many people hate, they hate keeping the data. Um, but that for, well, for me anyway, like that, I always pull that thing up before I start my set. I want to know so I can be like, all right, this is what I need. This, I'm, this is what I'm getting to today. Yeah. And when I get that, I'm like, mm, hell yeah, that's yeah. mine. Yeah. You absolutely. know, and that's, yeah, that's your, that's your, that's your little like slap on the ass to yourself. When you, when you get that, when you get that little win, you're like, oh yeah. You walk out of the gym a little, <laughs> little, 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 little cockier, a little, you know, chest a little, little higher. Right. Like I, I love that. I love that feeling. Um, I want to ask you, I, I know we're getting close to time and I want to, I want to, you know, be respectful of your Sunday night, but I do, I do want to ask you, um, about painting because one thing that I, I don't think I've ever heard you talk about on a podcast yet that I've listened to at least is um you're you're a you're a very good painter. I like I I see the stuff that you I see the stuff that you put out and you're you're actually you're having people commission you to do works. And um so how did you get into painting? Where did that where did that come from? And like how long have you been painting? Like I just I just want to know more I want to know more about your artistic expression because everybody knows kettle you know the kettlebell Kim Fox lifter, you know, but but I don't, I don't know how many people know about the artist side of you. So I'm, I'm really curious about that. You know, that was such a weird thing. Um, well, when I was younger, I did draw quite a bit. Um, and I, I am very artistic and I like to do like creative stuff with my hands, I guess. I like my hands. Um, <laughs> carny so hands do good things. my carny hands are very good at certain things. Um, Jake, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> he's going to be like, did you just call my name? I'm like, no, no, I didn't. No, no, um, no, don't worry about so it. I don't know if anybody's ever watched my Facebook stuff or Instagram or whatever, uh, around Christmas time, I really fucking love to wrap presents. Like, and I do like very fancy presents. I just like the artistic part of it, like trying to like put together and like make it so crisp and nice looking, which is one thing that I struggle in painting is trying to be loose and relaxed. So I started painting um, during COVID. So I had a bunch of extra time and uh, um, I really good for somebody post- that started a couple of years ago. I have to say it like, I, I would have thought that you've been painting for years. Like uh, to, I'm, I, I'm on my, I just started my second year of painting. Uh, so when I first started, I was doing oil painting and, uh, how it started is we planned a, uh, a girl's night in my basement 
And we were going to just as kind of a joke, but also we were trying to do it as well. We were going to do a Bob Ross night. And so like, we were going to put a Bob Ross video up on my big screen. I had like tables set up in my basement. Uh, I got us all mini easels. I got all the things that you would need to do painting and it went fucking terrible. It was a complete abortion. Are we allowed to say that? Yes, I don't know. It was a complete abortion. <laughs> you're in Kansas. Painting. I'm allowed to say it. I don't know. <laughs> like you're in Kansas. We're not. Don't, don't bring that up. It's so terrible. I'm just like so sad about this. Anyways, let's go back we're, to painting. I we're gonna call back to that because of the t-shirts. <sighs> uh, finish. Finish. Don't your you like that? Okay. I do. So it, they were all terrible because I really had not done my research on how Bob. I had watched a bunch of videos, but apparently. I always fast forward through the beginning where he puts the, um, so basically he puts a thin white uh, oil uh, paint over top of his canvas before he starts. Yeah, I missed that part. So I was like, how does it flow so easily? And so everybody's doing it and we're running out of paint. It, everybody's painting, it's really bad. Anyways, so from that, I started oil painting. And I really just was like watching Bob Ross and just like, kind of trying to follow along and just kind of doing my thing um and that evolved into acrylic painting uh which is nicer just because oil paints take weeks or months to dry depending on how thick they are yeah um and I don't know like yeah if you can't see my basement I have an art show in October Oh, sweet. apparently. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Congratulations. <laughs> that is, that is awesome. So, uh, for this art show, I need like at least 30 pieces, but there's no set number. It just depends on how many is going to fill my whatever 50 foot hallway that I have that I got to fill up. And so my basement is looking like I, like I'm an art hoarder, <laughs> not good art, just like art, you know? <laughs> oh, that is awesome. So, I've got like all these paintings lining the walls in my base, not up on the wall, just like, hey, dude, I'm doing something right now. Okay. Yeah, I know you're a dick. Chips, go upstairs. Go see Jake. Um, so yeah, so I during COVID, I started painting and I don't know, it just kind of turned into like this thing I didn't know that I really liked. I'd never painted before. Um, I drew when I was younger, um, but not like crazy well just I just liked drawing yeah um and I don't think I'm that great at painting they look all right I all mean right. I've seen them I think you, I think you sell yourself <laughs> short like they're they're really they're really good um I'm, I am like um, I'm very I'm very impressed with the fact that this has only been a, I would not have known this was a two-year hobby like I would have thought that this was just part of something that you've done for a long time and that it just wasn't part of like public knowledge until you like like decided you were going to put that out there and actually start selling art or whatever like I would not have known this is a two-year hobby like you I think you have a knack for it I think it's good and like now you're, my now you're merging, you're merging, <laughs> you're merging your worlds a little bit I saw you did a, a piece on the second phase of jerk uh in an acrylic oh I'm so excited about this one <laughs> I was so excited so, about it I saw I am so I, I I'm not into abstracts at all like when I do them they just look like fucking blobs I'm like what is this what's happening here anyway so one night I couldn't sleep and so I got up and I did an abstract and I was like oh that's okay and I put like a uh, acrylic or not acrylic um molded uh weights so there was like dumbbells and barbells and plates and I kind of like positioned them within the piece as well and there was a big I guess kettlebell looking piece in the middle and then while I was doing that I was like you know it'd be really cool to do like all the jerk phases or all the long fight cycle phases in a series of paintings that would be like a set or whatever so I just did one the other day and I really kind of like it and now I'm like thinking of like all kinds of other ways that I could I don't know I love it you're gonna be you're gonna be in globo gyms all around the world like where'd you get you know it's a you know, <laughs> Kim Fox, uh, it's a Kim Fox uh, abstract of squat. <laughs> oh, I love it. That's that is so awesome. I'm I'm like I'm, in all seriousness, like I do. I love I love the stuff that you're doing. Like I don't love everything that you do because nobody loves everything. But you know, I've, no, like, 
you're, you're, you're I don't love everything that I do. Very, well, I'm sure. Like, I know, I know that feeling very well where it's like, oh, I only show like 10% of what I actually like, I only show like 10% of what I actually like put on canvas. But like, I think, I think you're, I think you're doing really, really, it's really cool. And it's awesome that you're, it's awesome that you're selling it. It's awesome that it's out there for, for public consumption. And um, I'm hope people buy them because they need to get out of my basement. <laughs> well, is there, do you, do you I'm have like, a, do you have a website? I have Most like 40. No, so I my website will be live after right before I do the the show. Um, but this is the problem with painting as a like hobby is like yeah. what the fuck do you do with them when you're done with them? Yeah. They just like sit around. I think like, I just, just looking you, at I just you. gave you your idea. You sell them to Globo Gyms. <laughs> I, I sell them to Globo Gyms. <laughs> Every time I go to a hotel, I look at the artwork in there and I'm like, that's so shitty. I could do that. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, but I, yes, I do that. <laughs> I'm kidding kind of a little bit I'm like how did this person get this gig did they know somebody is it the hotel's brother calling all kettlebell dringer you honorable warriors and wielders of the steel the time has come to raid join us and fight for honor glory and the spoils of battle Sign up today for the Twin Cities Kettlebell Open on October 22nd in person in Little Canada, Minnesota, or by video submission from anywhere in the world. Come, fight for your clan or for glory all your own to be told in your saga. Claim your spoils and may your name ring out forever in the Hall of Champions. Sign up today at TwinCitiesKettlebellClub.com. When I was the most sad, I, I went through a period of depression many years ago. And it was, it was a time in my life when I really wasn't, I didn't have any growth happening, you mm. know, like I just wasn't progressing forward in one way or another. And not that I was doing anything bad or I, my job was going wrong. I just wasn't progressing. Yeah. And I kind of took away from that, this feeling that to always try and have some kind of personal growth, right? So whether that's you trying to learn a new language or get better at some kind of sport, um, but it to be not revolving around your job, something that you specifically choose to try and get better at and grow mentally and work at and develop. And I think that truly like most people, that's like when they're the happiest, is when they're in that period of growth and working towards something. And so I think that's really important for, for all people, like whatever it is, like to find something that you want to try and progress in. And that's when your mind's so active and, and engaged and you feel good about shit, whether even when it's challenging and you're sucking at it, yeah. because like eventually you'll go from sucking to being okay, to being decent, to staying decent great. Yeah. <laughs> or great but I mean like when your brain is in that growth pattern I think that's when people really enjoy life and um so I think that's like really important part for people like to find that one find things not just one thing but one different thing. things yeah. like different things yeah right you get I'm good I, I get good at kettlebell like well okay where where else can I can I grow emotionally can I grow mentally spiritually whatever yeah. um but i just think it's a really important part of personal happiness i love that i completely agree with you and i i, I think that is i think that is a great a great perspective i love that so much um i don't want to end on it though because i do want to ask you about your i do want to ask you about uh my snatch your snatch uh t-shirt that you just that you just posted <laughs> today um so you know i'm not i don't shy away from talking about things uh political on this podcast i don't go out of my way to talk about things political on this podcast but i i'm not afraid to i'm not afraid to take a stand on things and uh, i i have to give you kudos um you posted you posted uh because of everything that's happening in america right now with the uh with the 
reversal of Roe v. Wade and when the what I will call the attack on uh, individual freedom and particularly women's rights, um, reproductive rights. Um, there's there's a lot of things going on right now. And Kim made a really clever and awesome shirt, um, a shirt design where it's it's a uterus with two with two lifting two kettlebells, right, and uh, where the ovaries would be. And it's uh, uh, you know get get what it's my my give me the my I, snatch for, my choice or yeah, there is a male version which is your snatch your choice yeah, exactly somebody yeah. was like i can't wear this this yeah exactly I love, I love that and I i'm like i'm sorry you're right yeah that was Let that was, Ross, that, was Ross, that was ross bell who's also <laughs> been on the podcast um yeah it's like i so i love that i will say for me personally i'm like an all black guy like i wear black shirts only i know i need to get a black so i can do like a black you just change the print to white and i'll i'll, I'll buy one but i'm okay definitely- i'll work on that because i jacked up yeah i i should have made it because i also am a, i'm in black now yeah i I'm have pretty much everything. only black shirts yeah um and so i had to buy a gray shirt which will be one of my huge gray shirts um and then I, <laughs> I, will, I will get I will get like pink and blue one like for my for my wife and my sister-in-law and like my sister-in-law is a, a nurse practitioner at Planned Parenthood so like this is you know this is a clo- close to close to her heart topic and this is you know yeah uh, you know, you know, I, it, I fully support it, your, what you're doing and I think it's important this, for to speak out on it this surprisingly you know I I am not very uh political usually because I feel like most of the time it kind of like doesn't really affect most people it's just kind of this I don't know fake thing that's happening where they're trying to get you I don't know um but when this happened it really affected me like a lot like and I felt really bad not bad but I it really kind of depressed me to the point that the when it first happened and a lot of things happening. I, when we were going to bed, I told Jake, I was like, you know, I'm really glad I didn't have a daughter, that I have a son, which really almost made me cry. Like, I don't want another kid, but um, it made me so sad to think, I'm about to cry now. It made me so sad to think that I would feel that way. That, because I, my son won't ever have to worry about that. He won't ever have to worry about his rights being taken and most people just focus on the the abortion side of it but but lack to see the other side of it where you're taking away the government is taking away a personal right right a personal choice personal choice a decision to make about your own body and how you want to treat your body um and it's very handmaiden's tale. Yeah. Um, and to think that they're, you know, let's look at it this way, right? Uh, well, one, you're all the people that are like, I don't want government in my guns, or I don't want government in whatever. Yeah. Um, it's the same thing, except for this time, it's in a, it's literally in your own body, it's like your own body. personal body right? It's not about an object or you wearing a mask. It's like literally about something that's in your personal body. Okay. So let's say you have a brain tumor, right? You go to the doctor, right? As you should. And the doctor presents you with information, right? As they should, they should present you with all the, all the information that you need to make an informed decision about your body. Okay. You go with the brain tumor and he's like, Hey man, I really strongly suggest you take the brain tumor out. Uh, But if you decide to remove said brain tumor, you could have all these other problems, paralysis, long-term memory loss. You could die. The tumor could come back. Or you could leave the tumor in place. You definitely are going to die. I can tell you it might be three months. It might be a year, whatever. And then you decide what amount of personal risk you are willing to take to achieve your happiness in life, right? To think that that won't be there. And on top of that, potentially, or for surely, doctor's hands could be tied to make a bad decision for you for fear that they will lose their license or be 
charged with a felony, that they will delay care for fear that they will lose their license, in which case could cause you long-term harm. For example, maybe you have, this isn't even like a crazy, this isn't even on the deep end. You get pregnant, your prior pregnancy was a rough one. You were had to stay in bed for the last three months of it, whatever. You've got two or three other kids because you've had other children and you get pregnant again and you're already starting to have health issues. And the doctor's like, hey, your last one was really bad. This might not be a good idea, right? You've got other children. Yeah, you're high now, risk. Now it would be up, you're high risk, right? It should be up to you to determine based on that doctor's input, the information they give you and how your personal opinion, what decision you make on whether to carry forward with the potential of losing your life or the potential, and then also leaving your other children without a mother. That, that should, that's a very personal choice. And I think most people focus in, well, like there's these people that have had thousands of miscarriages, or not miscarriages, thousands of abortions. And I'm like, you guys are talking about like the, the small percentage of people yeah, that are- a percent of a 10th of a percent. And are probably some of the same people that are less responsible, right? But we have less responsible people owning guns and that's okay, right? Yeah, you're How talking about small... do you get before they take away your right to be able to have a a, a drink, right? Like you can have ha, there's like you know like there's plenty of non-responsible people that have had multiple DUIs, right? That have killed people, multiple DUIs. So I I think it it, it equates down to like you have to say the right to our own bodies and what happens in our bodies is the only real right that we have. And when you start taking away those personal freedoms, they slowly just start waiting away little by little. Let's, well, now we're going to take this. Okay, well, I can deal with that, but not this. And then all of a sudden it's this. You're like, okay, well, I can deal with that, but not this. And then it slowly just keeps working back and back and back. And while I am not really for, I think you should have your own personal choice. I'll just say it like that. Um, Nobody's because there are so many gray areas to everything. And I think that if you are truly against abortion and that you do not want it to happen, no matter what, then that's how you raise your children. And that is how you choose to live. And that's fine. I don't hate you for that. That's your choice, but I don't want your morals, your morality to make decisions about mine because you can't base laws off morality because everybody's is different. Yeah. And it and I, yeah. And I just ask that or not ask, but I just want everybody to make their, their own decision about what's right for them. Right. And I feel like that that is slowly washing away and government will have a huge hand and our personal rights, which forever, like, gosh, America was like, ah, freedom. <laughs> we have our, it, it's, it's, it's ironically coming from people who, who claim to be for small government and yet <laughs> small government. Yeah. And yet they want to take away the most fundamental right that there is because to your personal, your choice, you your own, your own body, body. if you don't own your own body, there is no such thing as property rights. There are no, like, if you don't own yourself, you own nothing. You, you can't own anything if you don't own yourself. I'm sorry. Like that just fundamentally gets rid of the, the principle of ownership. If you can't even own your own body, like it just, uh, yeah, it, it, it makes me angry. So do do so I think that there are irresponsible people that use it the wrong way? Yeah, for sure. For sure there are. But that doesn't equate to all the people that you would be taking the rights of way that do use it responsibly. I was, you know, um, for the longest time, I've been wanting Jake to get snip snip because I don't want any more kids. Like I, first of all, I didn't want kids to begin with. I hope my son never listens to this. Um, I never wanted children. I'm not really a kid's person. And I mean, I love my son, but uh, I did not want kids and I don't want any more kids. The, the one is fine. He's amazing, but that's good. 
I've, I got a lot of my own personal wants and needs and that's how it is, you know? Um, kudos to all those people that want to have 20 children, but they can keep it to themselves. I, I don't want any of that, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, it's a job you should definitely want. If you're going to like, if you're going to, it's, it's a hard job. Like you're, you're a parent, I'm a parent oh, for sure. Like, like and, and, it is not something that anybody should be forced into. If you know that you're ill-equipped to be a parent or that you don't want to be a parent, like it is not a job that, that should be forced upon anybody. Cause it's there. I like, I love my kids more than life itself, but there are days I like, I'm like, I I'm done with you. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to see you anymore today. Like I'm spent, like, you know, and that, like that shouldn't be foisted upon anybody that doesn't want it because those days are hard enough for people that wanted it. Just saying. Yeah. And yeah, it's such a weird situation that we're in right now. And um, you know, Kansas, you know, we're about to vote on August 2nd for, we're the first state that's voting on, uh, basically Kansas has a constitutional right in their, in the constitution, um, that, uh, that, that abortion's a right. Um, and so they, they like misconstrue or not misconstrue, but they like to make their verbiage very confusing. Mm-hmm. To make it seem like, oh, well, if you vote yes on this, it's just, it just means the government's not going to pay for abortions, right? That's all it is. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, but it's the whole reason why they're taking it out of the Constitution is so they can allow these other laws into place that basically restrict all these different things on women. And you're like, ah. I just see it as a huge step back in, in women's ability to um move forward in their their degrees and their degrees um in their profession mm-hmm. and i think there's not a whole lot of thought that's put in it towards women um or that's thought about it in in the aspect of women that's what so, laws are made by men yeah, well, I mean, there's there's women that that vote on this as well, but I I think that they they discount all the other nuances that go along with it. From oh, man, I, it's so scary to think that a doctor is going to be making a choice over how much risk I want to take with my life. Like, it, let's let's just take the abortion part out of it, right? Um, if 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 at conception a baby is a baby, right? Um, and the doctor must do everything in their power to save that life. Then they have to call into question how far they should let someone's health who is degrading go before they terminate the life of the fetus. Now, you're, yeah, now you're, that would now you're really asking suck. them to weigh the balance of, of whose life is Why is that not my decision? It's my life. Like, why... Why is that not put in my hands to determine how much risk I am willing to take for that situation based on the information you've given me? And there will be plenty of women that say, nope, I'm going to go to the very end to ensure that I try and save this baby. But that should be their choice. Exactly. And I respect that if that's their choice, but it shouldn't be forced on anyone. You know, um, so my mom... uh, I don't know if I should even say this. I'm sure my grandmother won't listen to this podcast. Um, so I'm going to feel weird anyway. So, uh, but I think it's kind of important. So, uh, my mom's the, the, she's got four siblings, so five kids growing up and, um, not that her parents were bad off, but they definitely weren't rich, you know, by any, my, uh, her mom was a mail carrier. Um, I'm not actually sure what my grandfather did something with his hands. I don't know. Anyways. So, but they didn't make a whole lot of money. So she got pregnant with her sixth child and, uh, the doctor that was there made the decision for her that she should have an abortion. And she suffered for like the rest of her life. Uh, and my grandmother's very religious 
And, um, and, and because of that, she, she, even to this day, like she really struggles with the fact that she had to go through that abortion because somebody made a decision for her. Now, somebody would be like, oh, well, that's in a case for, no, this is a case where I'm not saying for one or the other, but the person needs to make the choice because in the end, they're the ones that lives with it for the rest of their lives. They have to make internally that decision that they feel like is most right for them. And, and no matter what, they will, they will struggle over that with the rest of their lives. But in the end, I think in general, most people will make the right decision that is right for them. And I think in the long term, that will be positive. They're like, oh, well, children are going to die. You're like, have you seen the number of children in the foster care system that have the, the complete worst lives? Yep. Um, not that, not that allowing abortion will fix that, but I think the importance is allowing people to make the decision that is right for them. Yeah. I could not agree more. It's ultimately yeah. it comes down to the ability to assess your own life and decide your rhythm and whether or not it works for you. I completely agree. So sorry, not to go end it on a negative. Well, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you, I'll give you one, I'll give you one more. And this is, this is, this is, we'll go back to kettlebell. We'll get you, we'll get you back into the, into the wheelhouse of positivity that the, we were touching on before. I'm sorry. What I did, I didn't want to. I didn't no, no, I appreciate. I, I do. You don't even have to take it back to that. Like I, I appreciate uh, the the thought to even bring it into it, and um, I think it's important for for women to know that they're supported in the choice that they make because in so many things, like you know, women know women know that we're we're not um, respected or appreciated in the grand scheme of society solely based upon, if you want to look at like freaking rape cases, like the only way rape cases get prosecuted is if you beat the fuck out of me, like, and they're like, oh yeah, for sure you raped her. Um, and there'll be people that are like, oh, well, there's so many people with false ones. And you're like, okay, come on, man. That's like so few, but I don't know. Most rape victims don't even want to bring it forward because they're so like traumatized, persecuted about what they, so but if you look at like rape cases, almost hardly anything happens with them. And you're like, so for, it's just fucked up. It is. It, def <laughs> it, def it definitely is. I, yeah, there's, this is something we oh. could rant about for hours. I'm you're sure. You're probably going to get so many comments on this one. <laughs> <laughs> good that's fine i don't care i well I, people i don't you don't want to follow me fine fuck off i don't care most viewed podcast <laughs> <laughs> you know it's whatever i'm i'm like i said not afraid to take a stand or stand up for what i believe in i this is this is something i think we need to talk about and it's i think it's important but i do still want to ask you a, a kettlebell okay. question because it's one that it's okay. one that i asked to 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 coaches and and accomplished athletes because i think it's important um because you're an og at this like you you've been at this you've been at this a long time and you've risen to the highest level possible in the sport so the the, the question and anybody that listens to the podcast knows what's coming it's it's uh if you could go back to the start and give yourself one piece of advice when you from when you started what would you go back and tell kettlebell kim fox back in you know 2000 2007 right like what what would you what would you tell her um to you know, change your journey improve your journey or maybe you wouldn't change anything but what what one piece of advice would you give yourself back then i mean i do wish i would have started sooner but i don't know you have to have like such a kettlebell such a it's the hardest sport I've ever done, like mentally. And you got punched in the face for a while. Like you, you signed up yeah, to get punched in the face. Yeah. And you think kettlebell sport is harder. So that was um the the to have to drive through oh man, yeah. I, I guess probably starting sooner, but I think also to find a coach that fits you, right? Uh just because you have a world record coach does not mean that that is the perfect coach for you. So don't feel bad because in the end, honestly, it's just business. Like it's just business. Um, 
so find the person that that fits you as a coach because you have such a much more enjoyable journey and a positive outcome if you find that person don't suffer through and not that your coach is a bad coach right um but maybe they're not the fit yeah fit matters and, and it was it was like that for me too. When I first started, like I, and until I found like the perfect fit, I was like, okay, like this person matches with the way I am, my intensity. Um, and you've got to find that person to have that, that positive experience while you're going through training. My husband just rolled his eyes at me. I think he's ready to hang out. (laughs) That's cool. He probably heard some of your comments about. So hands and Jake, I was talking about giving you a hand job earlier. (laughs) You just said the quiet part out loud at the end. I know. Sorry. (laughs) We're getting, we're getting, it's a good thing. This isn't on public television. Like I said, Um, but I do think that that is a very important part that I think a lot of people get stuck in having a coach that they think is a good coach um, and being afraid to leave that coach. Um, when they're not, when they're not happy, I guess it's like a bad boyfriend. Breaking up is hard. (laughs) You know, you never know. It's not you. It's me. No, just say this just isn't working. It's It's just sometimes it's just not a great, it's not the best fit. And you've got to find the person that fits you. And when you do like the training experience is just so much better. You enjoy training more you get. Yeah. So I think that's, that's what I would tell people. I love it. Yeah, that's great. Well, Kim, go hang out with Jake and thank you so much for taking the time. I really, I really, truly appreciate it. This, this honestly, this, this has been a blast and I've laughed. My face hurts from laughing, smiling, and we've, we've talked serious stuff. We've nerded out. We've talked all sorts of stuff. So I, I genuinely, genuinely appreciate it. This was the highlight. Go, go, <laughs> go enjoy the rest of your evening and uh, spend some time with Jake and, and uh, use those small hands. So. <laughs> all right. Thanks. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Platform Podcast. We'll be back with a new episode soon. Please be sure to leave a rating and review of the Platform Podcast in your app of choice. Support our work by supporting our affiliates. And of course, if you have questions or you want help reaching your goals, reach out to me. Till next time. Thanks for listening.